0: Let's open our Bibles to Matthew, or excuse me, John chapter 18. We're going to start there and then jump into John chapter 19. John chapter 18 first, and then we're going to jump over that into John chapter 19. And uh, we we finished chapter 17, the prayer of Jesus and and, uh, the things that Jesus prayed about. He prayed about eternal life. Uh, through knowing the Father and the Son, and we talked about knowing Him, that we need to know the Father. We need need to know God. We can have a relationship with Him and know Him. Uh, Jesus prayed for us that we would be protected from the evil. He prayed that we would be unified, that we would join together and fight together. He prayed that we would be set apart from the world. That we wouldn't be just like the world, but we would be in the world, but not of the world. And then he also prayed, we, we looked at this last week, that he sends us into the world. And so you and I, we are all missionaries and, and uh, with a light, with a, a, a light. And, and uh, you know, uh, I prayed last week that you would have opportunities, that each one of us would have for opportunities just to be a light out in the world. And I'm gonna keep, keep praying for that. And maybe you had an opportunity just to shine that light uh, in the world uh, this week. And and it's getting darker, really, it's getting darker. And I think uh, that just makes our light shine brighter. The darker it gets, the light shines even brighter, you see. So you and I are lights in the world uh, because of the light of Jesus in us. And, And Jesus is still praying for you, and he's still praying for me, and the best is yet to come. There's no question about that. The best is yet to come. Now, today, uh, I'm going to talk mostly from John chapter 19. I'm going to come back to John chapter 18 and and some other parts that we missed. But I want to look today at at Jesus' death and his burial. And they're not easy things to look at. In fact, they're difficult things to look at and and to, to contemplate the death and the burial of, of Jesus. But the exciting thing is that Sunday's coming. There's a man, and we're going to hear his, his message at the very end here, uh, who said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Now, I, I used to hear that phrase from Bill Kinneman. He used to bring that up. He'd say, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And, and, but the guy who wrote those words, uh, we're going to hear from, uh, from his message at the end. Things are difficult, things are not not good at all, but there's hope, you see. Sunday is coming, and that's what it is. It's not the end, it's only the beginning. The truth is, the cross was only the beginning, it's not the end. The world, and, and that's what Satan wanted, you know, to get rid of Jesus, it's the end. But really, it was only the beginning. Only the beginning, the power of the cross to save us, to heal us. So let's let's pick it up. We've got a lot to cover here today, so we're going to move really quickly. John chapter 18, verse 1, he says, When he had finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. On the other side, there was an olive grove, and he and his disciples went into it. So he finished praying this prayer in John chapter 17, the, the Lord's Prayer, the prayer of Jesus. And then it says they ended up in this garden, in in, uh, this olive grove, which is, we know, as the Garden of Gethsemane. We're going to look at that in more detail. We see also in chapter 18, the denials of Peter. We see uh, Jesus before Pontius Pilate, and the whole thing that happens there, and the idea of Jesus being a king. Uh, And we will get back to all that. But now I want you to jump with me to John chapter 19, and verse 1. After all that had happened there with Pontius Pilate, it says in verse 1 of chapter 19, then then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns, and they put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe, and they went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face. Again, uh, there's not a whole lot of uh, detail that's given here, but when you study and you try to understand what exactly happened uh, to Jesus in this, in this account here, the Romans, uh, they would take a whip for this thing called flogging, and they would take a whip and, it was, and, and they would put, uh, at the end of these strips of leather, they would put pieces of bone or pieces of lead and 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 so they would take these and, and as they would, you know, strike the back, the the prisoner would be, you know, tied to a post and they would strike the back with the, you know, this this whip with lead and and bone in it. And and often it was so brutal often the prisoner did not survive the flogging itself. Now, the reason they would do this was to get the prisoner to confess their crimes and to speak out their crimes. And as if they would confess, uh, many times the flogging would become less severe and less severe, you see. But in this particular case, Jesus had nothing to confess. He had done no crimes whatsoever, you see. And so he... He never received any lightening up of the flogging, so to speak, and so they gave him the full measure. The full brunt was was taken. The full brunt of the, the beating was upon Jesus. He never spoke up and said, "Well, yeah, this is what I did wrong." One of the passages that is so powerful in the in the Old Testament about the cross and, and this time in in uh, in our world's history is in Isaiah chapter 52 and Isaiah chapter 53. In Isaiah 53, it's seven, uh, in verse 7, it said this, As a lamb before her shears is silent. Jesus didn't say anything. Why? Because he was taking this upon himself. Isaiah chapter 3, verse 5 says this, He was wounded. Some translations say pierced. For our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. The stripes being those stripes across his back that he took for you and I. But the whole reason that he's doing this is what is Why? For himself? No, he's doing that for you and for me, for our transgressions for our iniquities, for our sin. Basically, he's, he's taken this to, to bring about our forgiveness, to bring, up, bring about our, for, our, our healing, it says here in Isaiah chapter 53. In the Bible gateway, it, speaking about this, uh, these stripes, it had a little footnote there that said, blows that cut in blows that cut it wasn't just a little you know thing on the on the arm you know where you got slapped on the the wrist kind of thing this this is you know ripping into his back his body broken open you know jesus said you you recall he said you know my body broken for you well none of his bones as we know were broken because they that wouldn't that you know that didn't happen to Jesus. The, the other two that were on the crosses, you know, on either side of him, that did happen. But Jesus, he, he never had a broken bone. So when Jesus said, My body's broken for you, he's speaking about this here where his body is broken open, his flesh is completely ripped open for you and for me, that we might be healed in every way. Isaiah chapter 50, it says this, I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. In, in the book of Hebrews, it says that he despised the cross. He he despised the shame. It, he disregarded, he didn't, he didn't let the shame of it all, because it was completely shameful, all this that, that was taking place. We read there that not only did they flog him, but then they took a crown of thorns and they, they forced it upon his head. They put this purple robe upon him, a, a symbolic of a king. But, but when you think about this, again, the, you know, he, his back is completely ripped open and now they're putting some cloth onto his back. And, and, and so it's you know, being pushed into the, the open wounds. And and the thorns themselves are being pushed down, creating more wounds, and the the, the top of his head is being ripped open. Someone pointed out this idea of the thorns, and I I never had really thought of this before, uh, though it's it's very obvious, is that these thorns were a symbol of the curse. Because in Genesis chapter 3, it says says that, that, that part of the curse was that thorns would come. And you know the, the, the creation was then you know tainted and the sin you know uh, upon the creation but Jesus bore the curse of our sins he bore this curse upon himself you know we, again we have no clue how brutal this really was I you know I went into the basement uh, this week and I, and I was there was a little box down there making a noise, and my wife was about to, I couldn't hear it. You know, when your hearing starts to go, you can't hear certain frequencies. I couldn't hear it. And she's saying, if you don't do something about that noise, I'm going, what noise? But I went down there, and so I'm trying to look at this box with the battery and all that, and I, I reach up like this, and I, and I get this splinter in my finger. This tiny tiny little splinter in my, it went under the fingernail. And so I said I got this really hurts I got to get this out of here and so I'm digging this thing out and it's breaking all to pieces and I cut the nail and you know what I'm I'm going like this really hurts and I'm about to start crying or something. Can you you know, that's just a, an illustration of the fact that, you know, we think these little tiny things are something when, when they're nothing compared to what Jesus took for you and I. Nothing compared to, to what Jesus took upon himself. It says they struck him in the face in Isaiah chapter 52. Uh, you, you know, and, and if we truly believe that Jesus was God the Son, right, which we do, the Bible teaches that. This is now the face of God that they're striking. They're striking the face of God. But it says this in Isaiah chapter 52. It says, just as there were many who were appalled at him, his, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. Did you, did you hear that? He was basically unrecognizable as a human being he was beaten so badly even this picture here that that you know that doesn't show even the half of it that he was he was brutally brutally beat i, I was i found i came across a verse in my in my uh, my own time in the word and in uh psalm ninety five and i and it says this in verse 6. We used to sing this, this chorus. It says, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. When you look at the, the words that are used in that phrase, you look you know, a little bit deeper. It sa- literally it says, come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the face of the Lord, Before the face of the Lord, our maker. You know, they were striking the face of the Lord. But you and I, as, as our lives have been changed by the cross and by what Jesus Christ did for us, we bow down and worship before his face. We don't strike our face. The world is still striking at the face of Jesus, by the way. But you and I, we bow down. We kneel before the face of the Lord, our maker and worship. So they 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 flogged his back, they they did all this to his head and his face. And then then let's jump down to verse 16. Again, we'll come back to some of these passages. Jump down to verse 16. It says finally After all these things they were doing to him, finally Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus. Finally, they they got Jesus and Pilate handed him over to be crucified. Pilate says, you know, what will I do with Jesus called the Christ? What what should I do with him? The people cried out. What did they cry out? Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate knew, by the way, uh, that, that Jesus was completely innocent. He knew that. But because of the crowd... Because of the crowd, he had more fear of man, Matthew Henry said, than a fear of God. Because of the crowd, he, he consented to this crucifixion. Verse 17 says that, that carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. He's carrying his own cross now, and that's what they would do. They would would make them carry the cross, and they would have the sign that that said their name and what their crime was. Obviously, the punishment was crucifixion. They would carry this cross or part of the, sometimes it was the cross beam of the cross, which would then be lifted up. But he was carrying out, and, and he carried it to this place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. By the way, this word Golgotha in Latin, does anybody know what it is? Calvary, the word Calvary. That's where we get our name, Calvary Chapel, because of the cross of Jesus. It says here, verse 18, they crucified him. And with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the middle. Here they crucified him. They just use one word, crucified. That's all. They crucified him. But this, this crucifixion, this thing that, that we, we, we think about, we look at here today, it, it was reserved for the very worst and the lowest of criminals. In fact, they, they, the Roman citizens, they, they couldn't do some of these things to a Roman citizen. It was reserved for the very, very worst. I think what it tells us is that Christ died for all. He died for all crucifixion was designed by the persians and it was it was really perfected by the romans and and they 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 worked at it to make the victim die it was a public death and it was it was meant to be that way so people would take notice and be warned it was meant to be slow it was meant to have great pain and and great humiliation this is what jesus did why why are we even talking about this paul said you know that you know i'd rather talk about Jesus Christ and Him crucified than anything else. Why? Because there is the, the, the power of the, of the cross is what saves us, folks. The victim was nailed to the cross with heavy iron nails driven through His wrists and His feet. Isaiah 53, again, it says, He took up our infirmities. He carried our sorrows. He was a man of sorrows. "...yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed." The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We, we have to know, and again, this gets back to the fact that all we all like sheep have gone astray, it says there in Isaiah 53. Each of us has turned aside to our own way. We're all sinners. We are all sinners. And, and for us to even think that we can have a place in heaven with God who is completely and totally holy, we have no chance of it. Because of our sin, our sin separates us from God. And so the cross is is the place where the sin was laid upon the back of Jesus, upon him. And sin was judged, the the payment for sin is death. That's what Paul teaches in the the book of Romans. The wages of sin is death. And so Jesus took this death to pay the price for my sin and your sin. Did Did he pay the price for his own sin? No, because he had no sin. Again, he had nothing to confess. It says, with him there were two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. And Jesus came, he came, he took the... the. The body of of flesh. He took, you know, human flesh. He, he was incarnated and in, and in, and to be just like us. He lived as one of us in the very center of humanity. And we we see one on one side and one on the other. You and you look at the story of these two. One of them turned to Jesus. The other one just continued to mock. I mean, you, you know, if you can picture it, they're both at the very point of being you know, killed for their crimes and one of them turns to Jesus in repentance and and hope. And the other one continues to mock and and it's still the same today where many will, will continue to mock even up to the very last breath to the one who only can save them. Somebody said this, the whole of humanity was represented there, the sinless Savior in the middle, the saved Penitent, or one who turned on one side, and the condemned, impenitent, impenitent on the other side. Jesus in the middle, Jesus there for us, for you, and for me. Look at verse 19. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross, and it read, "Jesus of Nazareth, the King." Again, they took this sign, they fastened it to the cross, they would do that, and and it would have the name, and it would have the crime that was committed. In Jesus' case, you know, there was no crime. He did not commit any crime, but notice that it was written in three languages so that anybody who passed by could read and understand. That's why you have, you know, uh, a group like Wycliffe Bible Translators who is translating the Bible, the Scripture, into the languages of the world so that people can understand and hear about this one that we call Jesus the Savior. Verse 23, when the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes dividing them into four shares, one for each of them with the undergarment remaining. And this garment was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. Let's not tear it, they said to one another. Let's let's decide by lot who will get it. And this happened that the scripture might be fulfilled, which said they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So this is what the soldiers did. The scripture, again, being fulfilled, Psalm 22 says, they divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. Verse 25, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. If you can imagine these women there, they were looking and John was there. But Jesus, from the very point of death, right at the point of death, he's caring for his mother. He was about to have his last drink. He he, he, he spoke about her to John. He spoke to John about her. And, and if you can picture... Mary, looking up and seeing her son crucified, her firstborn, crucified. Witness of the pain and the humiliation and the shame and the suffering and the death, David Kuzik pointed out. It's, it's again, fulfillment of what happened when Jesus was just a child and, and there was a man named Simeon who saw this baby in Mary's arms and and he was waiting to see this baby. And, and he said, a sword will pierce your own soul too. Verse 29, a jar of, of uh, wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it. They, they put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plan. They lifted it to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. It is is finished and with that he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit notice he said it was finished what was finished the finished redemption of our souls the payment of the of the price for our sin we're going to look at that word uh, on good friday but it says that that when, when this was accomplished, it says he gave up his spirit. Notice that, he gave it up. It wasn't taken from, from him. He's, he said that earlier in John chapter 10, no one takes it from me, my life, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to take it, to lay it down and authority to take it up again. Jesus, he gave his life for us. You see, nobody took his life from him. He gave his life for you. He gave his life for me. Verse 31, now it was the day of preparation and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jews did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath. They asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and they broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. This is John. He knows that he tells the truth. He testifies so that you also may believe. John, John was there, he saw, he, he, he knew it was true, he, he, he testifies to the truth of it. So, so what? So that you and I would believe in, in the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us. That he paid the price for our sin, and, it, and it's the only hope that you and I have. That you and I would believe. Finally, in verse 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and he took the body away. And he was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish Jewish burial customs. And at the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was was nearby, they laid Jesus there. You have these two now, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, and they were, they were secret disciples, but now here at the, at the death of Jesus Christ, they step up. They finally step up, and they do what they needed to do. They, it says that Joseph, he boldly went and asked Pilate for Jesus' body. It, they take and they carefully wrap, the body of Jesus. And and if you can imagine that they, they carefully did this with, with the spices and with the linen, and, and they they did these things that the body that was again unrecognizable, and the bruises that were there and the, the side pierced open. This thing they did was extravagant. It was beautiful. These spices, they took 75 pounds. Of spices, you know, nobody would do that unless it was for somebody of royal uh, birth, somebody who you know was of high place. They knew who Jesus was. They they trusted him. They believed in him, and they gave their best to him. Says they took him and they they brought him to that tomb. It was Joseph's own tomb, and there was a garden nearby. It said, and, and I wonder, you know, we've been to Jerusalem and, and we were there uh, last year uh, about this time and we went to this place called the Garden Tomb and this is a picture of the Garden Tomb and, and it's a beautiful spot and there's a channel below where you could see where the, where the stone would be there to roll in front of the, the tomb. Now, do we know for sure this is where Jesus' tomb is? No, there's definitely debate about this, but it was something very like this, if not this. And, and just to the other side, there's a big cliff. And, and in the cliff, and it, it's, it's been eroding, but, but in the cliff, if you look at old pictures, you can see it looks like a, a, a picture of a skull, a picture of a face there on the side of this cliff. And, and, and down below now, at this point in time, there's like a bus station there where people would come and go. It was like that. Uh, in times of Jesus as well. And it's just outside the, the wall of the old city of Jerusalem. Jesus was placed there. They laid Jesus there in this tomb. We get to all this story now. Is this the end of the story? No. It's Friday. Today's only Sunday, but... It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. You see, this is the this is the point of hope. This uh, we're going to play this uh, cut for you. We I couldn't get the video to play, but you remember a few weeks ago we I played something for you uh, uh, by this man, uh, and it's that's my King. Do you know him? Do you remember that? Well, this 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 cut we're going to play today is is also by him. His name was. Uh, S.M. Lockridge. And I looked it up. The S.M. stands for Shadrach Meshach. <laughs> Shadrach Meshach Lockridge. But he was a pastor uh, of all places in San Diego. And he was uh, he was a pastor there from 1953 to 1993, just, just before I was born. I was born in 1955. And he was a pastor there for 40 years. And until he passed away in, in the year 2000. But he had this message, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's, it's incredible. But it's a, it's a message of hope. And, and someone else wrote this, not, not uh, Pastor Lockridge, but he said this, no matter how dark or hopeless things seem, hold on, there's Sunday coming. And there's hope in that resurrection. That's the hope for you and I. So we're going to hear that then, and we'll, we'll close in prayer, okay?
1: It's Friday. Jesus is praying. Peter's is asleep. Judas is betraying. But Sunday's coming. It's Friday. Pilate's struggling. The council is conspiring. The crowd is vilifying. They don't even know that Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are running like Sheep without a shepherd. Mary's crying. Peter is denying. But they don't know that Sundays are coming. It's Friday. The Romans beat my Jesus. They robe him in scar. They crown him with thorns. But they don't know that Sundays come. It's Friday. Jesus walking to Calvary, his blood dripping, his body stumbling, and his spirits burdened. But you see, it's only Friday. Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The world's winning. People are sinning, and evil's grinning. It's Friday. The soldiers nailed my savior's hands to the cross. They nailed my savior's feet to the cross. And then they raised him up next to criminals. It's Friday. But let me tell you something, Sunday's coming. It's Friday. The disciples are questioning what has happened to their king. And the Pharisees are celebrating that their scheming has been achieved, but they don't know it's only Friday, Sunday's coming, it's Friday, he's hanging on the cross, feeling forsaken by his father, left alone and dying, can nobody save him? Oh, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. It's Friday, the earth trembles, the sky grows dark, my king yields his spirit. It's Friday, hope is lost, death has won, sin has conquered, and Satan's just a laugh. It's Friday, Jesus is buried, a soldier stands guard, and a rock is rolled into place, but it's Friday, it is only Friday, Sunday is a coming.
0: I like that. It's only Friday. I mean, some 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 of the things in our lives, we got to remember that. You know what? It's only Friday. Sunday's coming. Let's pray together. Let's have the worship team come and uh, and be ready to sing when we um, finish prayer. Let's all stand together, shall we? Our great and awesome God. We look forward to. Uh, Sunday, this Sunday where we celebrate Easter, we celebrate uh, all that you did on that cross for us. We thank you, Jesus, uh, for, for the brute, brutal whippings and uh, the, cr- the crown of thorns and the piercing of your side and the striking in the face and all these things that were done that, that, that our sins might be covered, that our sins might be paid for, that we might find... Uh, eternal life and hope and truth in the cross of our savior Jesus Christ they could not keep you in the ground the bible says they could not keep you death could not hold you because sunday was coming and the the resurrection of life lord i thank you so much i i i, I confess that that i'm a sinner and i and and without your Love and and forgiveness, I would be lost forever for eternity. But but in you, I have the hope of the eternal life. I have the the certainty of heaven and and living with you forever and ever. And even now, the life that you give me uh, uh, day by day, and for each one of us, you've given us life abundantly. Father God, I. I, I just thank you so much that you loved the world so much you gave your son and that your son gave his life that we could have life. I pray you to encourage each one of us, Lord, that, that the power of the resurrection, the power of hope, the power of what you did and that even though things sometimes look dark and bleak, yet Sunday's coming and the power of the resurrection is is alive and real and and working in our lives, and that you're going to turn things around. You have plans for us to give us a hope and a future. Even in our darkest moments, you you know what's going on, and you you have it covered, you have it it taken care of, and you're going to work it all out for good. Father, I pray as well for any that might be listening that have never seen, never thought about, never heard about the cross. Maybe it's you and you need to open your heart and life to Jesus. You can do that and as I did uh, back in 1976 and, and just ask Jesus into your life and say, Jesus, I am a sinner. I am lost. So please, please forgive me because of that cross over 2,000 years ago, what you did for me. And I ask you in today. In Jesus' name, amen.